Preface of Bible Defense of Slavery and Origin, Fortunes, and History of the Negro Race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest Publisher's Preface in presenting the following work to the american public no apologies are offered we live under a government which tolerates liberty of thought and freedom of the press and in this expression of our honest views and feelings upon a subject relating to the general welfare of the country we are but exercising a right which belongs to every american citizen observation and experience has taught us that no man's opinions and principles gain favor with the world by empty apologies and useless excuses, but that they are generally received or rejected, as they should be, according as they possess merit or demerit. It is a pleasing reflection that the age of proscription for opinion's sake is past, we trust, never again to return and that the unrestricted interchange of thought and sentiment which is permitted by a liberal genius of our free institutions has been productive of the most glorious results as the rapid spread of civilization and christianity the general diffusion of light and knowledge and the wonderful developments and triumphs of science and art in this our day and generation clearly demonstrate let the work progress let the little stone cut from the mountain's brow continue to roll onward gathering strength with its progress the result will be the full development of the illimitable powers of the human mind and a final consummation of all the glorious events contemplated in the redemption of the world the question is slavery as it exists in the united states justifiable is one which at least admits of discussion if it be in harmony with the immutable principles of truth and justice and not a crime against humanity and a libel upon our holy religion let it be so understood and practiced by our honest citizens whose highest ambition consists in faithfully serving god and living in obedience to the laws of the country if not let the converse be established and some judicious and practicable system of emancipation and removal provided and we maintain without the fear of successful refutation that a majority of the enlightened slaveholders of the united states with characteristic promptitude and christian philanthropy will liberate their slaves and contribute to their removal and future support and protection all that is wanted in the final adjustment of this vexed question is light and knowledge a fair and candid interchange of thoughts and opinions a faithful and true exposition of the principles involved in the relation of master and slave 
convince the slaveholder that this relation is incompatible with Christianity and Republicanism, he stands ready to abandon it, regardless of the sacrifice. His mind is not sealed against the impressive teaching of truth and reason, nor his heart seared against the moving influences of pure benevolence and true Christian charity. But, hitherto, the agitation of this question has been altogether one-sided, and confined, mainly, to those in whose action upon this subject neither right, reason, nor justice were involved. They have been justly regarded as busybodies and disturbers of the public peace. The question, like the institution itself, is purely of a sectional or local character, involving only the interests of the citizens of those states where slavery exists. For it to be discussed and agitated by the motives and characters of the slaveholder, to be assailed and calumniated by the citizens of other states, is illiberal and anti-republican, and savors of ignorance and corruption, or of both combined. But, nevertheless, this unnatural warfare against truth and justice, against law and liberty, has been continued, until the peace and prosperity of a great nation are much disturbed, and our glorious confederacy well-nigh dissolved until many of our best citizens and purest patriots have begun almost to call in question the honesty of the honored dead, the fathers of the Republic, and to look with distrust and suspicion upon those time-honored institutions which have commanded the world's admiration, and by which are secured to us the richest blessings of civil and religious liberty. Is it not time, then, that the South should begin to defend herself against the aggressions of these time-serving votaries of error and fanaticism, and show to the world that her peculiar policy and institutions are in harmony with the genius of republicanism and the spirit of true Christianity? Believing that such is her true policy, and that this proposition is much more consistent and reasonable, as well as more easily established, than its converse, we have been induced to give publicly to the following pages in vindication of Southern rights and institutions. Although we believe that the institution of slavery received the sanction of the Almighty in the patriarchal age, that it was incorporated into the only national constitution which ever emanated from God, that its legality was recognized and its relative duties regulated by our Savior when upon earth, that it was established in wisdom and has been wisely continued through all ages and handed down to us in mercy, and that the relation of master and servant harmonizes strictly with the best interests of the inferior or African race in particular, in securing to him that protection and support 
which his native imbecility of intellect disqualifies him from securing for himself yet do we most cordially reprobate any abuse of the relation by the superior power or any undue exercise of authority by the master over the slave holding it to be an unwavering uncompromising truth that a fearful retribution is in reservation for all the violators of the wisely established decrees of god in this respect there are certain obligations and duties which every master owes to his slave that are as binding and indispensable as are the duties and obligations which he owes to his god his country or himself these discharged in accordance with the will of high heaven and the mere fact of being a slaveholder will not in our humble judgment deter a man from an entrance into that house not made with hands eternal in the heavens our individual views on the subject of a national system of colonization as applicable to the free black population of the united states may be regarded at first sight perhaps as somewhat novel and wanting in the essential qualities of age and precedent or experience but the reader may rest assured that they have been submitted to the inspection of many of our prominent citizens and leading statesmen and have received their unqualified approval without exception the existence of free blacks in any community whether free or slave is universally admitted to be an evil of no minor consideration their removal therefore is a matter deeply affecting the interests and well-being of both races their present number and natural increase places this beyond the reach of individual enterprise the resources of the general government must therefore be brought into requisition in the removal of this as well as any other evil of a general or national character how this may be done in this case in a manner harmonizing with the true interests of both races is a theme certainly not unworthy the candid consideration of any american citizen in the work of mr priest on the subject of slavery as it relates to the negro or african race examined in the light of circumstances history and the holy scriptures with an account of the black man's color cause of his state of servitude and traces of his character as well in ancient as in modern times with strictures on abolitionism the reader may confidently expect to find a work of great research and ability one of deep interest and well worthy his candid perusal the author has sought in the oracles of god in authentic history and in the analogies of nature the key to the mystery of the degradation through the unchronicled ages of the past of the negro race the fact of the inferiority and consequent subordination of the black race to the white being in accordance with the will of the supreme ruler of the universe 
is not like a mathematical problem, susceptible of absolute demonstration. Yet we think the readers of this work will acknowledge that the author has let in a flood of light upon this deeply interesting subject. Through the mist in which ignorance and misguided sympathy has enveloped it, himself a northern man prejudiced as he admits in his early education against the institution the conclusion at which he arrives supported as they are by the most powerful train of reasoning cannot fail to check the suicidal progress of that pseudo-philanthropy except modern abolitionism glasgow kentucky april twenty seventh eighteen fifty Preface. Then a knowledge of the races and nations of men who have peopled the globe since it was created, there can be no subject more interesting. With a view to an elucidation of this description, we present the work before us, in which an attempt is made to give, in some measure, a history of the origin, character, and fortunes of the negro portion of mankind. In pursuit of this object, we hope there needs no apology, because we have found it necessary to resort to the Holy Scriptures for much important information which relates to our design, as it is well known that those parts of that book which were written by Moses are the eldest writings of the human race now extant, and relate to the very first operations of the human race after the flood. As corroboratory of the developments of that miraculous book, we have also resorted to ancient and modern history, to travels, narratives, etc., which go to aid us in our research. As to the origin of the Negro man, we have, in our cogitations, recollected several curious opinions relative to the subject, which we have thought proper to present, on account of their wild and extravagant character, as follows. Some have queried whether the mother of the first Negro man might not have been frightened by some hideous black monster of the antediluvian woods as in the first ages of the world there were many terrible beasts of the wilderness roaming about whose races are now extinct there is one creature which existed then and is not yet extinct whose appearance in its native haunts is very frightful to behold and this is the black orang-outang of which animal there are individuals known to have attained the enormous height of seven feet covered entirely with shining black hair. The strange effects of fright on the offspring of mothers is a well-known phenomenon in the psychological history of man. Thus, as some have supposed, the Negro race was produced, forming an entire new class of human beings, and distinguished from the nature, color, and character of the parents by a fright of the mother others have seemed to believe that in the very first ages of the planet and long before the creation of adam there existed a race of animals having a resemblance to man as has the orang-outang 
but of gigantic stature, as well as power, dwelling in communion with other beasts and monsters of that time. From this family of animals it has been supposed that the negro race was derived, and brought forward by the continual mutations of nature, passing from one change to another in pursuit of maturity, with all things else, arriving at last to their highest point, as exhibited in the presence of the black or negro nations. It has also been believed that at a very early period of time some community of men have been so situated in relation to climate, food, and other circumstances, as to have been changed from their original stamp of complexion and character to that of perfect blacks, thus originating the negro family of man. Some have imagined that the origin of the race was a disease of the skin, which, being of an incurable nature, formed at length a radical character, and thus produced this people. Many have believed that there was, at first, as many fathers and mothers created as there are now different races of men, from whom have descended the red, the white, the black, the brown, and the yellow tribes of the human race, discarding the account given in the scriptures of there having been but one pair of human beings created. Others have imagined that the mark set upon Cain by the divine power for the crime of homicide was that of Jet, which not only changed the color of his body, but extended to the blood and the whole of his physical being, thus originating the negro race, a remnant of which they suppose, by means of some craft, or rather outrode the flood, anchoring on some lofty mountain, subsisting on the floating carcasses of the drowned animals till the earth was dried again. Thus many have mused on the subject of the origin of the negro race. But we reject all these schemes as the baseless hallucinations of visionaries. Even the mooted and equally absurd problem that climate or any other contingency became the origin of that people, and affirm that a cause of an entire different description from all these gave birth to the race, an account of which we shall give in the work. As to the mental character of the black nations, considered collectively, we have found them, in all ages, since their appearance on the earth, of but small account when compared with the other races of men, the red and white. In publishing our opinions, as presented in this work, we have been moved, thereto, by the operations of conflicting principles, as held by abolitionists and anti-abolitionists throughout the entire United States, believing that light was necessary in order to learn the truth respecting the people in question, namely the Negro race. We are also anxious to ascertain the cause of this class of mankind being enslaved, in the low and degraded sense of the word. 
as to the history of the black portion of the human race it has occupied the pens of more writers than one on which account we feel that we are not alone in this attempt and also that we have advanced some new and not uninteresting opinions with respect to the time and the occasion of the production of the first negro man together with an account of the origin of this people we have not forgotten to inquire something respecting the native mental abilities of this race and whether created equal in that and other particulars with other men we have also had something to say about exalting them in this country to political and social equality with the other citizens of the united states and whether were the whites and blacks to become amalgamated it would be a desirable object with many other matters of interest we have found the history of this race somewhat of a difficult character to describe as it is far more hidden and obscure than the history of either the red or white race yet we believe that some progress in this respect is made in the work thus with but few prefatory remarks we submit our opinions believing that which we have advanced to be indubitable however repugnant to the conceptions of many who fancy they see in the negro's mind the germs of a prodigious mental power notwithstanding all the evidence to the contrary which has witnessed against them for thousands of years showing that a pall of darkness and obscurity not occasioned by the acts or the influence of the other races has rested on the whole being of this people induced by a higher power than that of man as was the deep when nature first was made and earth's foundations in the waters laid when darkness reigned the realm of ancient night when god sent forth his word and there was light so is the race of ham a darkling sea which now invites the truth that light may be or which if we have sent a single ray then have we gained our aim and look for day the author end of preface